Riding Around is an improvised recap of a sitcom that never existed. Enjoy! I'm Kelly Quinn. And I'm Malin Von Euler-Hogan. We met as actors on the hit early 2000s sitcom Riding Around, the first network comedy ever to be filmed entirely on... And around... A bus. And we're still pretty good friends. And now we're doing the official Riding Around fan podcast. Each week, we'll talk about an episode of the show and bring you interviews, fun facts, and behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were on the bus can tell you. Come ride around with us. Well, Malin, can you believe it? I actually can't. I mean, this podcast has been such a wild ride, and to think we've now hit a year of doing it. A year of riding around again together. Mm -hmm. It's been such a wonderful year, and that it happens to fall on our season finale recap day, too. I mean, it's just, just pure synchronicity raining down on us today. Right. I feel so blessed for that to be the case, and it's also so crazy that we do three seasons of this all in a year. It's just, it's going so fast. I know. We did want to give listeners a quick heads up that we are planning a bit of a hiatus just because, you know, the two of us have so so much going on this time of year. I need to make sure that I'm with my girls and fully present as a mother as they go back to school for the coming year. Um, You know, these are important years for girls that age, and I don't want to be a distracted mom. Absolutely. And I am feeling the need to really focus on my marriage just take a couple months and really dig in there and make sure things mm-hmm. are on track because we, Lord knows I haven't always done that in my previous right. years. And so it's important. Well, you know, the beautiful thing is that you can start at any time and That's it right. sounds like starting now is, is what's going to be great for you and John. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I did last episode specify that I needed some space and privacy around the issue of Seth and myself, yes. but I did just want to let listeners know that we have broken up. And I won't be answering any further questions about it from any listeners, but I do want to thank you all for the concern you showed for me and yeah, just for your continued support. Yeah. And on my end, you know, thanks everyone who's expressed concern about me not eventually getting that voice acting gig um, Mm -hmm. that kindly reached out to Kelly. That's also not going to be happening for me. So. Right. I mean, you know, do you want to take work from someone who's been accused of that kind of stuff? We don't need to get into it now, but just better not to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've not worked for this long. I can keep not working. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And same. But today we are working. We're hard at work bringing you an episode recap of our season three finale, Rocky Road. And this has been actually mentioned in a previous listener question we had ages ago because it's a very silly, very wacky, very memorable episode. Malin has a huge story in this episode. And our special guest to recap it today is someone who was instrumental to riding around for many seasons in his role as first our casting assistant and then our casting director. So can we please welcome to the podcast our good friend, Robbie Latimer. Hello. Hello. Hi, Robbie. Wonderful to see you this morning. How are you? I'm good. You know, we casting folk are usually behind the scenes, so I'm not used to sort of being front and center. Is this thing on? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're doing great, Robbie. It's so great to see you. When would be the last time that we have full seen each other? I mean, it's unfortunately been too long. It has been long. You know, I see your electronic headshots often on submissions. Oh, oh boy. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's hard, you know, I sometimes confuse when I've actually seen a person last and when I've looked at their picture last. Oh, sure. I know I haven't called y'all in in a while, but I have seen your faces in, in the pile, in the electronic pile, if you will. Oh, it's not really a wow. pile, it's a screen. I was going to say the word pile is hard to hear, certainly for an actor, but it's the truth. I mean, that's the truth of the industry. Well, when I started, I mean, that's what I did. I, I piles of piles of headshots. You got so much mail. And that's actually, Kelly, how you got your audition. I confused your picture with someone else's picture. Oh, no way. And I called in the wrong Kelly. I called in Kelly EY instead of Kelly Y and (gasps) Kelly O'Quinn and Kelly Quinn. There were that many Kelly Quinn submitting for riding around. I mean, that's. And I got in a lot of trouble that morning because my boss was, listen, we got a lot of mail. And I wasn't the most organized person back then. And I didn't realize how much admin was involved in the art casting. And she screamed at me. And then she had a cigarette and she was much better. She was much better. (laughs) She said, well, we're not curing cancer. And so when you, and then you booked the role and she took all the credit. Now that's shameful, Robbie, because even if it was an administrative error on your part, you were responsible for bringing me into that room. You know what? We're setting the record straight now. And our listeners know that Robbie Latimer actually was responsible for casting the um, somewhat memorable critical role of Jackie Fontaine Boucher, played by me. Um, And isn't that a fun, I mean, I truly had no idea. This is the first time I've hear, I'm hearing that. Yeah. We used to, my friends and I, my friends all knew that I cast you. And so we used to call you Jackie Forever Roche. That was your nickname oh. for us. You know, oh, those little candy good. commercials. You were mm-hmm. Jackie Forever Roche. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just thought, it, they would make me tell the story whenever a new friend would become part of our group. Because um, the show was such a part of the cultural zeitgeist. Wow. So catch us up on your social life. Are the the people from your friend group when you were working on the show, are they still part of your life? How is, where do you spend your time in Los Angeles? Well, you know, I don't, it's, I'm very, as you know, I'm a very pale, complected person. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, it's hard to go out in the sunlight. I'm from the South originally. Mm -hmm. And I moved here as a young homosexual because there wasn't a place for me there. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get into politics. So I came to L.A. and found the creative arts. Mm. Uh, and I wasn't much of an actor at the time. You know, this is mm-hmm. this is um, this is around the time uh, before Will, just before Will and Grace, you know, the tip of the iceberg mm-hmm. that then wow, melted yeah. and flooded the world. And mm-hmm. uh, but in a good way. And mm-hmm. so I I was I came to L.A. and it was clear that wasn't for me. Uh, in front of the camera. And I didn't really know much about the business. I love movies. I could eat those movies up. I watched them all day. I went to the movie theaters all the time. I stayed. I mean, I I shouldn't say this because it's my business and I should support it by paying for it. But as a youngster, I couldn't afford it. So I would just hide in the bathrooms at the movie theater. I don't know what, you know, sometimes I, I get a little busy in those movie theater bathrooms. And oh, then I come out, I see another movie. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. That's, I think, beautiful. Yeah. So I would just, I would catch like three movies in a day. And so I just knew actors. I didn't even try. It wasn't like, Mm -hmm. I just have eyes for faces, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was remembering these people. And one of my friends was an assistant to a a high profile producer. And um, they were having real trouble 
casting something. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, oh, we're looking for the actors. And I said, oh, well, what's the part? And I gave him three names just right there on the spot. I was oh, like, well, no did, did you see this little movie and that little movie? And he told his boss. And I um, I got that by his boss was like, who is that person? And he introduced me to a casting director. And then I became assistant. And that's how I got my start. Now, that was not the office that was... Um, uh, Julia's office, who was casting uh, the first few seasons of, uh, of, of Riding Around. Right, um, right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I, that was my first job, and that led to an assistant position there. And then eventually, Julia at the time was casting all the must-see TV. And mm-hmm. so, and I love comedy. And I had, I had started going to the comedy clubs, and, uh, and I just knew all the comedians. And so... That's how I got it's that It's so funny position. because you yourself, I find so uh, sweet and refined. And imagining you in those raunchy old comedy clubs just yucking it up. It's right. Hard to imagine. But it's, you know, you're a true fan of the art form. And it's what made you so successful at your job. I was also back then a bit of a lush. And so, oh, sure. Um, easier, you know, to, yeah, easier to yeah, stomach yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, on a couple mm-hmm. martinis, I imagine. Everyone's funny when you had a few drinks, you know, but what I was able to just deduce in the morning is who was actually funny. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. that's the key. That's that's what makes a good casting director from a drunk is Mm -hmm. knowing who is funny when you wake up in the morning. Yes. Putting the pieces back together and making sense of it all. Now, Marlon, I don't want to blow up your spot. But now you correct me if I'm wrong. I could be crazy because, as I said, I was a bit of a lush. But when we first started Audition You, mm-hmm. weren't you Melina Gross and not Marlon Van Der Hooven? Yeah, I, okay. <laughs> this is this is a little bit embarrassing. But, yeah, when I was doing the stand-up circuit, I I felt a little embarrassed to be trying my hand at something that I didn't know for sure I would be great at. So yeah, I, I used a, a different name <gasps> going up at the clubs. Yeah, Melina Gross, and that is um, so funny. Yeah, and, and I swore that was I could I kept saying I thought that was Little Melina Gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my mind is comedian. I know, I know, and and to be honest, it's still not my strong suit. So. Props to you for seeing. Oh, something. I know, honey. I yeah, know, yeah, honey. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Props to you for not holding it against me when you, you when you finally, you know, started calling me in. But um, yeah, I dropped that whole thing. I also had taken some bad advice from someone who said Von Euler Hogan, you'll never book with that last name. And oh, I have, I have booked. But yeah, it's um, it's crazy the kind of things we'll do as young actors to try to get a leg up and just we're we're trying anything. That's changing our names, doing bad, bad stand-up. I always tell young actors, you got to try it all to see what fits, you know? Exactly. And, and at that point, you don't know how you're going to be discovered. So so I got to mm-hmm. go up at these clubs. Right. So we just didn't have sort of online options that these young actors have today where they can, you know, hone a, an online presence or character for a while. You know, I was having to figure it out in real time on stage. And I just, I didn't, I didn't figure it out. Right. It's a brutal art form. Am I remembering correctly that your family, you came here 
and lived in that complex of houses that they did the documentary about, about the kids who come to LA for pilot season. Is that right? Did you come here for that? I, I did come here for that, but it was when I was an adult. So I was living with mm. a lot of, so it was surrounded by, yeah, teens, preteens and their families who had all come okay. for pilot season. And I just thought, well, this is kind of a nice place to live. And I saw that show, show love. They have that character doing that. And I'm like, well, you stole that for my life, I think. Right. And uh, wow. yeah, I, I found it nice to be around all the creative energy, but eventually was desperately in need of friends who were, who are my age. And I, that's, I think part of the reason I started hitting the, the stand-up clubs as well. Comedians are very welcoming, a welcoming bunch. Uh Yeah. It builds community. It builds community. Yeah. I mean, my experiences in comedy are limited outside of obviously having performed on this hit sitcom. I haven't had that experience, but I, you know, it's possible that it's an energy that I'm putting out Mm. or that I'm just simply not that gifted a live performer. You know, I've really always been more of a, more of a screen gal. Well, I don't know. I mean, Robbie, what do you think? Kelly in a room? I I mean, I got to imagine she, she knocks it out of the park. No, that's well, Robbie's as Robbie's got to remember, I passed out in my audition. Oh, I mean, I remember that real drama. And I will say I was sent to go grab some smelling salts. Mm. Oh, is that how they got me back up? And so, yeah, you were out hard. Uh, You were breathing. So we were like, we think she's okay. Okay. But I'm going to tell you, that was very stressful for me because we got real behind. uh, And there were lots of people in the waiting room. And I hate to keep actors waiting. Uh, I just feel like, you know, you guys are so abused and malnourished. And I just felt like I needed to keep things moving. And that's what I tried to do when I was an assistant. Uh, I do remember Diana saying, Real comedy comes from pain. And mm-hmm. she thought you would be the, the central pain. I mean, what is more painful than being a single mother? Wow. Wow. God, I mean, uh, that philosophy, right? She's known for her comedy, but wow, what a, I mean, that's poignant. And it's my memory also that you did keep the auditions going. I mean, when I came to and Diana told me I had the part, there was another actor auditioning in the room on the other side of yes, the room. Yes, the smelling salts were impossible to find. I mean, who has smelling salts in this day and age? It's not a thing you have. So at some point, we sort of dragged you over behind one of the other producers in the corner of the room. Mm-hmm. We propped up your head uh, <laughs> on somebody's jacket. And uh, and then we kept going. Uh, and, you know, that's just what you do, you got to make, you got to keep going. I mean, that's the business. Hollywood waits for no one. It waits for no one. Casting is such a, a distinct blend of, as you said earlier, administrative skills, organization. You have to have a mind, almost like oh. a library catalog, to file all those faces, those essences. And it's also very creative. It's it's such a distinct blend of creative and analytical. What did you do in your youth? Did you have any artistic leanings growing up that made you think, you know, obviously you weren't familiar with casting as an occupation having grown up in the South, but did you do, you know, chorus in school or, you know, and I don't mean to stereotype you because you're gay, but chorus or drama or any, you know, anything like that? Well, I did uh, some drama club, you know, and some competitions, some drama competitions, some monologue okay. competitions. Oh, wow. And I was all state choir national champion. You know, wow. my choir was a national champions. Uh, my junior and senior years, sophomore year, we we didn't place. Uh, so, you know, that was all a thing I did. But, you know, I just think basically 
being a young homosexual at that time, mm-hmm. you were creatively leaning, you know, mm-hmm. nowadays you can be a businessman, you can be a husband, you can be, you know, you can be boring and a homosexual back right. then. I by virtue them. of your, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I meet them all the time in yeah, this I neighborhood. I live, I live WeHo adjacent and mm. you meet a lot of boring homosexuals. Mm-hmm. Pretty, beautiful. <laughs> of course. No, uh, yeah. Right. But nothing happening up there. Yeah. Stunning, but yeah, so I, I do, I do think back then though, by virtue of your innate difference you Mm -hmm. you were creatively leaning you know you were just Mm -hmm. there was no place for you wow you learn how to read a room you know as a young homosexual you Mm -hmm. just have to have your bearings and your wits about you in the south and uh and so you know is this person dangerous is this person warm is this person curious and then you take those skills and you can apply them to actors in the room. And what wow. is what what are they reading? What are they giving mm. off? You know, and you use that that power, that gift, that really security system, a gay security system right. um, as a as a place, a starting point for the art form that I didn't know existed until, again, that producer told my friend mm-hmm. uh, he was Bobby. I'm Robbie. You know, we were close um, friends. Uh, also, people laughed at that, too, at parties. But it was easy to be funny back then because comedy wasn't so widespread. Wow. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, I mean, all of that was so fascinating. I want to go ahead and just quickly read the episode recap for season three, episode 19, the season three finale. Ballin, would you read that? Of course. The Virginia Department of Transportation installs new speed bumps across Bristol, leading to a bumpy ride. Meanwhile, Marsha loses the race for mayor's treasurer. I'm sorry to make you read that. Oh, and then, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should I should have taken that second half. Yeah, oh, it's OK. It's OK. Yeah, I've said it before, but this the speech that you give in this episode, I show to my girls at the beginning of every school year. So we're coming up on that. It's about to be that time again where they need some inspiration to go be little girl bosses in their in their lives at school when I'm not there to protect them as mommy. And oh, yeah. I, I'm going to have to boot up the speech again because it's uh, it's memorable, it's moving, it's powerful. Well, you know, that speech really kept you girls on the show. Uh, I was hired because, you know, the second half of the season happened after the strike. And during right. the strike, the executives needed something to do. And so they ran a, a lot of focus groups. And oh, that's so. It turned out that people really didn't like Marsha. <gasps> and they decided that they needed a whole new cast. And they were going to do riding around a new bus. Mm-hmm. And switch time slots. And so. <gasps> what? I forget the actress's name. Was it Elena or Rose? Rose, she, The woman who won the mayor's treasurer race. She was going to be the new lead of the series. Oh, and, no. uh, and uh, you know, they had two options on the table. And ultimately, that was the choice that was going to happen because it was cheaper. The other one was to do a time jump mm. uh, following Sylvia as an adult woman. Uh, coming home to her hometown, uh, trying to find a job and and pick up the pieces of her life. And so 
they ultimately decided to go with this version because they could shoot the final episode with all of you and just add a few of the new people. So, so really, all the people that I hired had series regular options built into their contract that could be picked up after the final shooting. And what happened was your performance, Molly, in that monologue made them decide to keep you all and to keep wow. sharing with us. I- mm-hmm. 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 Sorry, this is, I'm reeling a little bit to know that I was so close to losing this job. I mean, well, you lost that election, but you won the show. Oh my. Oh my God. I mean, this is really wild. And I mean, not to have heard any rumblings of it, but I guess we were offset, right? We were completely. The only guest we've had who could have mentioned this would be Tova, and she's not exactly the most forthcoming about this sort of thing. She's just looking out for our feelings, of course, but. Right. I. Oh, Tova. Yeah, we were both assistants initially at the same time. She moved up much quicker than me. Yeah. And, uh, but we started around the same time. And so I knew her a bit, but yeah, those development people keep everything real close to the vest. Yeah. That's their power, really. Yeah. yeah. For you, is there a clause in your contract that keeps you, like, are will you? do you think you'll be in trouble for even saying that now on the podcast or are you allowed to it's sort of like after the CIA declassifies a document after something has happened, it's been enough time. It's sort of that situation. You know, I think it's okay. 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 You know, I'm surprised, frankly, it hasn't been in any of the books about it or the fan, the fanzines, yeah. you know, cause you know, but it was, it, listen, I don't even think was Diana was still there then, or had she left the show already? She was still here end of season three. She was still there. Know she started to. I don't know that she knew because you know another writer wrote that wrote that the, the potential spinoff episode, and, right. uh, and you know with the. I think it. I think it was Julian. It might have been Julian Keith, who, yes, mm-hmm. he and Diana had not been getting along. Let's say so. It wouldn't shock me if the powers that be at the network recruited him to sort of mm-hmm. a very tight, yeah. A yeah. tight, uh, you know, gay group and Tova. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Robert, I mean, this is the kind of info that people come to this show for. Mm-hmm. So, ah, Often the, the fans are the ones who are sharing this sort of information with us because right. they seem to have, you know, have information we just didn't have. We were at work, nose to the grindstone mm-hmm. doing our jobs, but this is, I mean, this is, one of the greats, I think, in terms of riding around revelations. Yeah. Wow. And I have to thank Malin for me still having I a job so. because well, I guess it's so so in a way did I save everyone's jobs because you know You saved everyone's jobs. You did. You really did. I also think you you know it was the end of the third season. Everyone was renegotiating right. their deals, you know, the, the successful series regulars. And so I think Part of it was, you know, do we want to keep these people that are expensive? Yeah. But, you right. know, the focus groups on top of that. And then Gus decided to stay and accepted the terms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that helped, too. That helped, too. Well, this whole time I've right. thought that people maybe love the Tom and Lily storyline because they've just kissed in the previous mm, two episodes ago, right? Mm-hmm. And so we finally get our, you know, Jim and Pam coming together moment. Then come to find out it's because of a speech I gave. You know, that's that's actually pretty, pretty cool for, for me in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Mm, funny. But, wow. I'm glad I could help you. I'm glad me. I could share that story. I mean, it, I don't know. Yes. I don't have much exciting stories to tell except for that one. And then after that, you know, I stayed on for season four and season five 
Uh, and, you know, it was pretty standard stuff. Well, Robbie, you did have to get to know a whole new showrunner next right. season, right? And so how was that, learning their quirks, their personalities? Do you, do you have to get to know a whole new comedic sensibility when the person in charge changes? Or do you still have, you know, kind of your, is your take still reigning supreme, if that makes sense? Honestly, you know, there were a couple of producers who stayed over that change, right? You know, under mm-hmm. the showrunner. Um, right. And so certain people came through that I never cast, that they would meet and they'd be like, we had some fights about it. Um, and they'd be like, this person is going to play this little role or this guest, this this commuter role, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just had to roll with the punches. But one, that new showrunner, really, it was nice to have fresh, you know, because Diana had a, a set way mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And, and had a certain Very expectation yes. based on what, you know, Julia had done those first two and a half, three seasons. And, uh, you know, and I had worked for her, so I knew it, but it also, you know, we weren't set up together initially, you know, so uh, to be with the other showrunner was maybe, I actually found it somewhat of a relief to just be Mm. new eyes with new eyes, you know? Yes, that that actually makes a lot of sense. Can I ask if it's not out of out of line to ask, was Julia let go? Did she decide to retire? Did her health become an issue from the, the chronic smoking habit? What... What happened behind the scenes there to put you at top dog casting wise? Well, you know, Julia was Diana's person. And I think part of it was other than Gus, the focus groups really didn't like any of the cast. I mean, they really found most y'all unlikable. And to hear. And they, you know, listen, it was a dark sort of, you know, quirky comedy it wasn't dark i mean you did do some heavy issues right yeah, you had mm-hmm. your, your very special episodes but mm-hmm. um it was you know quirky people and i think you know by season three some of the charm had worn off sure. y'all's quirky habits were becoming like how do i live with this bitch every day you know right wow and using the word bitch and all oh, wow I dated, I, I, I'm not talking gender bitch. I'm talking like I dated a guy, right? Um, Charlie Thurwood, when I, when I first lived in LA and we were together for like three years and I was living in his rent control apartment in West Hollywood and little things that I thought were cute, you know, he, over he time they start to wear his, he would be like at the end of a sentence, he'd be, or you'd like say something, he'd be like that part. And over time I'd be like, <laughs> No, no, that's annoying. Or he would like chew with his mouth open. And when I first started dating him, I thought, oh, that's so masculine and cute. And then at the end, I was like, you are disgusting. How do I live with you? And I'm like, that bitch, no. And so Uh I left. That part. I I Uh had to find, yeah. Oh, please, no, no. It's still traumatic for me. Oh, poor Charlie. He went into recovery, but he's Uh, good now. He's good now. Still annoying as all fuck. I bet. What I admire about the gay community is the way that you can maintain friendships with people after having dated and even lived with them in some cases. I think that's a a beautiful form of intimacy that we in the straight world don't often experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm certainly not speaking to my ex-husband, if you know what I mean. And No, my past three. I'm so, so sorry about that. It's okay. Listen, you know, I find that... um, 
sometimes you're just inextricably connected to people. You know, yeah. you share children with your husband. I mm-hmm. share dogs with Charlie. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you don't, you're never really out of one's life. You got to find a way to move forward. I also am the child of divorce, you know, so, yeah. uh, so I think maybe I just learned how to stay, but I do think it is a queer, you're right. It's a queer thing. We're just so laissez-faire, you know, so, yes. you know, quasi-moto, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yes. Wow. Really? Multilingual. It's, it's, um, uh, it's very impressive to hear you throw around phrases like that on the show. We've been, the two of us have been trying to learn Spanish and doing that with differing degrees of success. But are you using one of the apps like Babbel or? Uh, yes, I'm Duolingo? using Babbel. Yes. Duolingo. Okay. Yeah. But when I say using Babbel, I mean, you know. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you're wonderful. I'm sure you're wonderful. But what, why was I telling that story about Charlie? Oh, because you you guys have become sort of irritating. So yes, so yes. the yes. audience was not on board. They were like, right. "What yeah. is happening now?" I think Malin's monologue, mm-hmm. Malin's monologue, that'd be a great mm-hmm. acting book title. Uh, I think you should write a book about the Uh-oh. artist sitcom acting based off of that scene because truly that is some of your best work and. Kept the show alive, kept you on the show, kept the show as it was alive. Mm-hmm. And right. I do think also, you know, the strike helped, right? Because people were away from you for a while, even though they were annoyed with you when the, start, the strike started. Yeah, By right. the end of the strike, they were desperate for any sort of scripted television. Right. And that helped. But on set, the producers saw it. You know, they saw Malin's talent and they said, we can't get rid of this person. Right. And so the oh, next season, you may remember the next season, you won town librarian in the election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am, I, am I getting the seasons right? I, I, I'm i sorry. I, you know, I was not only did I work on the show, but I was a fan. And so I watched it and things blur. You know, you you cast so many roles over the years. Of course. You forget. Yeah. No, I mean, hell, I played the woman and I can barely keep her storyline straight, but eagle-eared listeners will let us know if we mess anything up so don't you worry we actually we did get some viewer observations written into us about this episode kelly and i are wearing wigs uh-huh yes people looking closely mm-hmm. this is because kelly and i had been cast in that alien movie uh, that we were planning to shoot once the season wrapped they did have us shave our heads for that. So we, mm-hmm. had, to, we had to go with the wigs for this this last episode. And um, I'm glad people are watching so closely and letting us know. Yeah. Right. And why didn't you shoot that that alien movie? You know, it, our, our scenes were cut from it, which I think is sort of unacceptable to ask an actor to go to such lengths as a full head shave. Yes. And then cutting a scene from a film, I think you have to leave it in out of respect for the actor, but that was not the director's point of view. So you did shoot the scene? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think directors are allowed to change their minds. Sometimes that means I don't need these two in my film at this point, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's also possible, I think, even even with the shaved head and the alienness of it all, Kelly and I were pretty recognizable as Jackie and Marsha, so it's also possible that they just decided Listen, I, I think about that all the time when I'm casting you know mm-hmm. do you is this going to pull you out of the, pull focus. Of the suspense of a, of a movie or, mm-hmm. or the realness of a film you know I have notoriously you know 
since Riding Around have been, you know, casting sort of realism and mm -hmm. gritty dramas. I mean, that was really my, after that, I turned, I turned much more real in my casting, a lot, a lot of drama, um, really oh. inspired by Malin's monologue. I kept looking for oh, jobs without, with that kind of, <laughs> with that kind of pathos in it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you cast everybody as a star, you know, it's Meryl Streep, right. it's Kate Blanchett, it's Julia Roberts all in one film. Mm -hmm. And I won the BAFTA for that one, by the way. And, or, now, you know, which other one times, was that Valentine's Day or what? Well, I now I can't remember which project that no, was. No, it wasn't Valentine's Day. It was, it was the more you know. It was the more you know. Oh, wow. I missed that one. I've ever had that mm -hmm. letterbox to watch list. It's on uh, Greta Gerwig's list of movies to watch in, to be informed about Barbie. Oh, okay. Then. To be informed about Barbie. Wow, isn't that cool? Yeah, that you haven't read, you haven't watched all the pre-Barbie movies, and you're and you're going to go see Barbie. No, Greta put a list out. I think there's like 37 movies. I think it's actually, you mentioned Letterboxd. I think it's an article. I didn't know if they wrote articles. I think it's an article on Letterboxd. Oh, shoot. Wow. Okay. I'm on a homosexual text thread and somebody <laughs> shared it with me. Sure. But couldn't we all be so lucky to learn from your community? And I think it could be a fun way to spend the last couple of days of summer with my daughters going through those must-see movies before we go to see Barbie. Yeah, that is fun. A Barbie, pre-Barbie marathon of sorts. Um, mm -hmm. Robbie, while we have you, I know, I know we're probably winding down, but I did want to get your take on Kelly's and my careers post-riding around, just from a casting perspective. What do you think is going on exactly? Because is it that we're too recognizable? Just if there's any feedback you you could offer us. Right. Is it the Napoleon Dynamite curse where we were too right. good at the one weird thing we did and then you can't see us as anything else or you know, I think it depends on, you know, listen, I think the reason this podcast exists if I understand correctly is because during the pandemic People started rewatching Riding Around. I mean, right. before the pandemic, I don't think anyone was talking about Riding Around uh, for a little bit. I mean, they yeah. had, it was a, a huge in its day, but it had sort of gone quiet. It gone cold. And thanks to the removal of the Cosby Show, we were able to get Riding Around. And uh, they started streaming that because, you know, you lose all these shows when you find out people who were in them did horrible things. And riding around holds up because most of you all didn't do anything terrible. I mean, you partied wild back in your day, but nothing, sure. uh, nothing, uh, you weren't drugging anybody. You weren't no, raping no, no. or pillaging or stealing. I mean, no, definitely. So I, I, I feel like I got a little dark there, but you know, that's the truth. You guys were a clean bunch of kids. You liked your booze, you experimented with your pills. But you all were good people when it came down to right. it. Maybe I would steal, you know, a pack of Cheetos from set. Uh, but that's about as bad as as I was getting. Yeah. Well, Kelly, those are yours. I mean, that's food for the for the for the people on the show. You weren't stealing. Right. Did they okay. let you believe you were stealing? You you sleep. It that's would depend on who was about. working that you day. You were good, <laughs> sweet people. Yeah. <laughs> well. uh, 
I think they were more upset. I mean, I kept hearing complaints that you would get that powder from the Cheetos all over your costume in between takes. <laughs> and it was a oh, it was really a yeah. problem for continuity. And so they just started staining, <laughs> staining your clothes at some point because they figured she is such a mess. She's going to eat in between takes. And so that's right. why they were telling you the, che- the Cheetos cost money because they didn't want you to keep eating them. That's in a, well, in my defense, I'm a playing a single mom, so yeah, you know, having a little Cheeto all those dust on dirty the dirty little ch- children's hands, Sylvia's uh-huh. little handprints on Jackie's uh-huh. dresses. Oh, we used to laugh forever, O'Shea. Look at that stain on the <laughs> skirt, it was too funny because you know, gays, we talk about clothes. I mean, that's what we do, and your, right. your clothes were constantly stained, right? Uh, so, uh, I forget what we were even talking about. Well, why you haven't booked, you know, I think it's that thing where um, you need Quentin Tarantino to do a movie and need you. And Mm -hmm. so to bring back, you know, you know, people do that. Other people do that besides him. I mean, he was the first one to do it really in that in that big, substantial way. And right now, really, you're between ages. You know, Mm -hmm. I think when you get older, people are going to want to see you again. So okay. it's just sort of a matter of duration of sticking through That's it. Great. Right yes. now, you're That's just great. sort of you're too old to play someone's mother, too young to play someone's grandmother. I mean, you're regular woman's ages. Right. And nobody wants to watch a regular woman on television. Right. Uh, That's so they want or, or or film, really. You want to see young people playing mothers and old people playing sick people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So once we're into that sick category, maybe things will pick up again. That's nice to hear that there's a little, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. And obviously, I think you should think about this as a gift, as a as a time for rest and reflection for podcasting, you know, uh, for taking time with your family. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to put pressure on you, Kelly, but maybe you could use this time to fix your marriage. Which seems oh well, that's not good. That won't be able to come back um, because he has fully moved in with his secretary. But I will, you know, maybe I'll use it to get back out there and be dating again. And you know, Malin, if we want to be working again, what we should do is start a production company together and be making our own work so that we are in charge of when we work. How's that for an idea? I love that. I think that's a brilliant idea. I did just walk that, watch that Mary Tyler Moore documentary. She mm-hmm. had her own production company with her husband. And, and Lucy, I watched that documentary. She had her own production company. Yes. you got to take the bull by the reins. powerful that women. Amy, yes. That Amy woman has her own production company. Yes, Amy that Poehler. That yes. lady from mm-hmm. SNL. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like. A peer, a peer. Right, from Parks and Rex. And yeah. So, yeah, you're right. We should join this tradition of funny television stars starting their own production company. Right, because no offense, but I don't want to wait around to play a sick person. I just don't. I I do either. I I think we need to be creating the roles we want to see in the world. And Robbie, you'll be the first person we call. Yes, to cast the rest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I would love to do so for you. I mean, I certainly can populate you around you with very likable people to lift you up up and support you. Uh, Now, is there anything we've missed in our recap of today's episode? We sort of breeze by the 
I thought you had some comments from the um, from the viewership. We did. We had an Apple podcast reviewer specifically call out Rocky Road as their favorite episode because of all the physical comedy that the speed bumps added to the episode. And you have Diana returning to her couch fest roots and faces in lap type of jokes and standards and practices having a, a bit of a tough time with this one. But I think other than that, you know, you guys all watched it with us and yeah. funny, but how much can you say about Wiggle's face going down into Ethel's crotch, you know? Is there anything, Robbie, today that we can let you plug for our army of listeners? We're so thankful for your time and your insights. I mean, wow, a lot to digest. You know, I don't have anything specific right now, but for casting updates and in show updates, I, I do um, have someone sponsoring my social media. His name is uh-huh. Henry Russell Bergstein. You can find him at, at Big Henry R mm-hmm. uh, on Instagram. And that's that and, queer community uh, again that you love to hear about. I mean, sponsoring an Instagram, I really, I you don't hear about it in the straight world, no. but mm-hmm. Big Henry you R. You got to feed those Instagram. young gay mouths that are trying mm-hmm. to you know, make it in the world. It's so much harder to break through nowadays than when I was a youngster. You know, you could, you know, move up quickly. I mean, I moved up from assistant to casting director in, I think, four four or five years. Mm -hmm. I just jumped, you know, jumped the the slot. I don't know what the phrase is, but... Jumped the slot. Jumped the slot. You know, it's not jumping the shark. I'm talking about Mm -hmm. moving up, not moving out. And, you know, you could just do that because you know somebody... Or you, you know, do a good job and someone take notice. Now there's so many people doing a good job. It's hard to break right. through. And maybe that's why you guys are having some trouble with your career. There's just a lot of people doing it. Yeah. Right. That's bleak. Oh. Isn't but I bleak? think the production company is going to go well for you. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. And I also think Marlon's monologue could be a bestseller. And you do an audio book. Okay. Yeah. Too. Look, I've been I've been stalling on our, our the book Kelly and I have talked about writing before. And, and what is that? What is that TikTok thing? Uh I recently had to sign up for TikTok because I, I guess we find talent that way now. Mm-hmm. And uh the, I find there's a thing that people do where they mash up one TikTok with another TikTok with a song or something. I feel like there could be a Molina's. Melina, sorry, I call you Melina Gross all the oh, time. Of course, home. yes. <laughs> a Malin, uh, a Malin monologue stitching mashup contest where you could have you do the monologue and then someone else does the monologue, or maybe you <gasps> do the clip from the show, or like this you take out pieces. Genius. I just feel like there's so many ways that you could celebrate you oh. in the show Robbie, and make yourself culturally, genius. culturally, you know. Representative again, yes. There's a there's a place for you in like Megan two or something. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of place <laughs> no. you want to come back. That would be incredible. I loved the first Megan. Oh, uh, my coffee cup uh-huh. is empty. <laughs> oh well, I think that means it's time. You gotta gotta get a refill. But Robbie, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been such a pleasure and yes. revelatory. So thank yes. you. Yes. Cheers to Megan. Thank two. you so much. And cheers to you all. I hope to see your faces in my my submission inbox. And I hope to have a project that you are right for to pull you out of that pile and lift you up. (laughs) 
Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Thank you also to Kelsey Bailey for our logo and to John Purcell for our theme music and for mixing the show. You can follow us at Riding Around Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And send your thoughts and questions to our email address, ridingaroundpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate us, and review us anywhere you find your podcasts. And if you leave your favorite Riding Around memory in your review, we'll read it in an upcoming show. Come back and join us next week. We'll have another great episode for you that you won't want to miss. See you then. Hack, hack.